0: This one's a bit of a different colour, Alia. Are you sure it's on this time? Yep? Alright then. Well, greetings, citizens. Today we're going to be talking about money. Something I, unfortunately, don't have too much experience of holding, but a lot of experience with. We're going to be talking about imperial coinage, the history behind them, and, of course, the barbarian currencies. So, let us begin. Imperial coins are minted at the Imperial Mint in Sato. Of course, it's a league city, making our coins. The coins are made of steel rather than any kind of precious metal, and since the reign of Emperor Giovanni, the Empire has operated a fiat currency with the value of all imperial coins derived solely from their backing by imperial law. The coins are denominated as one ring, five rings, one crown, four crown, one throne, five thrones, 20 thrones, a hundred thrones. Now, there are 20 rings to a crown and eight crowns to a throne. For those of you listening who might not be so familiar with what things cost on Anvil Field. You find that five rings will typically buy you a pint, whether that's of mead, ale, something else. Maybe 10, 15 rings for a glass of wine or something stronger. Five rings might cover a shot, but for a cocktail it could be 10, 15, even 20 rings, otherwise known as a crown. And when it comes to food, a simple slice of bread and a hunk of cheese, again, could be five rings. But something more formal, like the marcher's pig in a bun, will cost you a crown. Typically, you'll get what you pay for inside Anvil. But it's quite rare you'll find anything below five rings. Often those rings come as change or shrapnel or in the fine splitting of deals between brokers and other merchants. Let's say you want to define a manor crystal as being worth 33 rings. That's where the single ring pieces are most used. Now, as a general rule of thumb, a crown is a more significant expenditure. A fine meal or a bottle of wine from a prestigious vineyard might cost a crown. Citizens who deal mostly in crowns tend to be wealthy. They're often business owners or run a prosperous farm. A ring generally represents a suitable payment for a minor task or the cost of an item such as a simple meal or a very simple bottle of wine or beer. Citizens who deal mostly in rings tend to be towards the bottom of the economic pile. Another note around the ring is that the freeborn will often give you a ring for passing a message along. So if you fancy running round anvil Field, carrying messages is a good way to make a cheap bit of coin. Finally, a throne, a gold, beautiful coin, if I do say so myself. A throne is a serious expenditure, eight crowns, indeed. The movers and the shakers of the empire deal in thrones for preference. The Imperial Senate particularly deals in thrones. Anyone who makes transactions at this level is considered to be amongst the richest people in the empire. Now, prior to the foundation of the Empire, each nation used their own coinage, generally stamped from precious metals. Each nation had their own exchange rates based on the perceived value of the individual coins, although some coinage was stronger than others. The freeborn Silver Moon, for example, was recognized by most nations that eventually became the Empire. Likewise, the Navari Copper Thorn tended to be accepted wherever the early trods extended now all these various currencies created a problem when the empire was founded the exemplar oh alia you'll have to help me with this one avigliana de sarvos Aviglia, nailed it A avigliana de Sabos convinced both the throne and the imperial senate to pursue the idea of a unified currency As a result, during the time of Emperor Giovanni the empire spent six months negotiating with various representatives of the nations to introduce a representative currency based on stores of gold and silver. After Giovanni's death even this was abandoned in favour of the current fiat currency approach. The design of the new coins was heavily influenced by the imperial synod Many historical coins, especially the gold and silver rune marks used in, well, winter mark, were marked with, well, runes, such as Firesh and Pallas. The Synod successfully argued that such symbols were inappropriate, and the final design for the rings, crowns, and thrones were frexless. Some priests, especially those of the assemblies of pride and prosperity, uh, goodness me, can't even say the word properly, can I? Prosperity. See this as a great success by the early synod. Every citizen of the empire is reminded of the virtues every time they engage in even the most simple transaction. Nowadays, those historical coins have no value within the empire as currency, although they still occasionally turn up in treasure troves, ruins and archaeological explorations. When they are recovered, they can sometimes be sold to collectors or museums both imperial and otherwise. If their silver or gold content is high enough, they might be sold to the civil service for imperial currency. Now, there are also some foreign and barbarian currencies that might grease your palm every so often, but it is a rarity to be sure. Now, all imperial services and functions are handled in imperial coins Foreign and barbarian coins are not legal tender within the Empire. Foreign visitors know this and rarely bother trying to bring their own currencies with them, preferring instead, wherever possible, to draw upon caches of imperial money built up through trade. Now, I can say myself I've never seen one of these barbarian coins, but I'm sure they're nowhere near as virtuous, shiny, or indeed as satisfying to hold as a good imperial crown. Now, the final part here is around boss certificates. We've talked about the movers and shakers dealing in thrones, yet there is another layer above that. The civil servants of the Imperial boss maintain stocks of the three valuable materials, mithril, weirwood and white granite. Measured in wanes, it is impractical to move these materials around too much or bring them to anvil, due to their size and weight. A, uh, a wain is approximately half a tonne and requires a uh, well, a hefty pack animal and a cart to carry around just one. Instead, the boss issues certificates that represent ownership of a wane of material. These are similar to bearer bonds. Whoever has the bond can use it to collect a wane of the appropriate material from the boss. Now, these boar certificates exist both to facilitate trade and construction within the Empire and with foreign nations. These documents are carefully made to defy forgery. As such, they are accepted at face value, not only throughout the Empire, but by civilised foreign nations too. An Assevian merchant or a Jarmish magician prince knows that their representatives can visit the Empire and claim mithril, weirwood or white granite in return for a bourse certificate. Likewise, an Axu trader could arrange a deal with an imperial citizen where they deposit some weirwood at Crown's Key, receive a bourse certificate and transfer ownership to their contact, simply and effectively. Truly, the Empire is one of the premier nations in this world. There have been two attempts by the Senate to instruct the civil service to refuse to honor a cash of Bourse certificates, uh, one presented by the Sumer and another by the Grendel. Both have been struck down as unconstitutional. Citing the Bourse shall be free of all interference of the Senate. Now, beyond coinage and these wains of valuable resources, there is, of course, simple trade or barter. Now, barter is often considered a little gauche, but is also extremely common between imperial citizens. Ingots and measures of the various valuable materials as well as the extremely valuable ilium are weighed and valued by neutral imperial assayers and have a standardised weight and purity and thus value. The same is true of lao and herbs such as true vervain. Doses are prepared to a standardised purity and volume. This makes it much easier for imperial citizens to exchange, sell, or buy these materials than for people in other nations. An imperial trader knows that a certain amount of orichalcum will certainly be pure enough for the purpose they intend it for. And typically, dear listeners, when you're walking around anvil's fields, you'll find that most traders and most people will take those ingots of orichalcum, those small chunks of tempest jade, with electricity they will indeed trade for it. If it's coming to buy a cake or some kind of food, I'm sure most places won't mind as long as you tell them in advance. But again, that's my personal experience, and maybe someone of my undeniable charisma gets away with more than other citizens. But until next time, dear citizens, stay safe, be wary, as you cross the trods and roads of the Empire, Keep a watchful eye on what's around you and a careful hand on your coin purse.